In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Dear brothers and seminarians, dear faithful, man was given dominion over the universe by God. This is what Genesis teaches us when on the sixth day of creation, God says to man, increase and multiply and fill the earth and make it yours. Take command of the fishes of the sea and all that flies through the air and all the living things that move on the earth. So it's man's duty given him by God to be Lord of the created world. And this is true not just of plants and animals, but it's also true of inanimate things such as places. Man is to command places, plants, animals, inanimate things, everything in the created world. So as Lord of the created world, man is meant to assist creation to achieve the end for, it, for which it was created. Anyone who's in charge of a group of entities, it's his job to make sure that everybody's coordinated into, in order to fulfill the end, the purpose for which they're gathered together. So the end of creation is the glory of God. And the glory of God is served when men use plants and animals uh, for their purpose. Uh, we, we use plants and animals, for instance, for our own nourishment because that's part of God's plan. But um, more effectively, we use plants and animals for their purpose when we make these created things give honor to God. When we take the things of creation and we appropriate them and we use them to pay homage to God. So we know that created things are not able to do this of their own power. At least created things uh, besides men are not able to willfully give honor to God because they do not have rationality. They don't have free will. So there's never a time when the, the Agapanthas will get together and they will say, hey, let's, let's develop a liturgy. Let's, you know, we've been sitting around all these centuries and we haven't been honoring God. Let's, let's start practicing religion. Um, this, is, this is so godless of us. So th there's no way that they're going to start offering sacrifice to God in order to pay him homage. And so it falls to man to sort of associate Agapanthas and the rest of the non-rational creation with his worship of God. This is done when, for instance, we put the flowers on the altar uh, like the Agapanthas, or we light beeswax candles, these, this uh, work of the bees we take and, and we put it on, on uh, the altar and we, and we burn the candles as, as a sacrifice to God. We consume uh, the candles. It's... Uh, done when we make sacred vestments out of, out of plant material, for, for instance. So at Mass, all of these things are playing a role in the worship of God. They're being lifted, as it were, above their created condition and are performing a function that they could never do on their own. On their own, they can never pay this homage to God. But by the use of man, by the rationality of man, they're being appropriated um, to perform this. It's man's rationality and his intent to worship God that makes it possible. 
So today we commemorate this dedication of the cathedral of Canberra Goulburn. And obviously a cathedral is a building. It's, it's a construction made out of stone. Uh, men have, have taken lots and lots of stones and they've, and they've used them to construct a house for God himself, a dwelling place for God. But man goes even further. He doesn't just want the house itself to be a place for God, dedicated to God, but he wants the entire place, the, the, the space that the cathedral occupies to be set apart to God. And this is done by the act of consecration. An act of consecration is when you take some created thing and you say that that created thing belongs to God. You say this created thing is no longer um, going to be used for secular purposes. We're taking it apart from secular purposes and we're making it exclusively used for the use of God. So we may say that the whole of the world is secular space. It's space that has been affected by sin and has not been redeemed. The space of the cathedral, however, on the day of the consecration, on the day of the dedication, becomes sacred space. It becomes that space set apart exclusively for the worship of God. It's space that's not to be used for any practical purposes, any purposes which have their end in this world. So the consecration of a cathedral makes it a building which is different from all secular buildings. It is a building that is sacred by the fact that the, that the bishop by a public act, sets it apart for the worship of God in his consecration. And this sort of ceremony um, took place in the Old Testament. The book of uh, Kings and Paralipomenon, uh, they recount how Solomon had this vision given to him by his father David to have a house for God. You know, the, the, the palace of, of David and Solomon was, was very nice, and they started saying to themselves, well, we've got a very nice house, but God is dwelling in tents from the time when we were in the desert. So let's, let's build a house for God. When Solomon built the temple, he took very great precautions to make sure that it would be a sacred place. He had it built in silence as far as was possible. So if there's any shaping of stones that needed to be done, it was done off-site. So it wasn't done on the actual place when they were building the temple, but it was done elsewhere. And after the, the stones had been shaped to the right size by, by lot, through the use of a lot of noise and, and tools, then the stones were brought to the place and placed there. So only the best materials were also were to be used for this building of the temple. And then the day for the consecration of the temple came. And Solomon had all this finery and, and greatness and so many sacrifices there. And he was there in his regal glory with uh, the, the prime ministers of, of his state and all the people gathered. And they, they performed this ritual, these ceremonies of dedication of, of the uh, temple to God um, with great grandeur. And, and when, they, when Solomon was done with his prayer of, of offering all these things to God, 
God wanted to show that he was pleased with the efforts of Solomon. And so what he did was he sent fire down from heaven. And the fire came and consumed all these victims. Thousands of victims were consumed by this fire coming down from heaven. And then God wanted to indicate that he was occupying the place. And uh, scripture says that, that he filled the temple with his presence. And, th- and this presence was something mysterious. It was, it was a certain brightness. It was, it was like a, a bright light that, that was filling the temple. And this indicated to the Israelites that God was present there in a certain way. Scripture says, The fire that fell, the brightness of the Lord's visible presence, was seen by all Israel. There on the stone pavement, they fell down to earth in worship, crying, Praise the Lord, the Lord is gracious, His mercy endures forever. So, this stunning spectacle of the dedication of the temple and the manifestation of the power of God and the presence of God, the Shekinah, um, induced in them this disposition to worship God. They were moved to bow down before God and adore God. And really, that is one of the primary purposes for us to have this sacred space, to have this church. It's so that you are disposed to worship God when you come to church. And it's so important that we be aware of the sacredness of the church when we come. This space, this room, is not like other space. It's not like other rooms. This space is consecrated to God himself. It belongs to God. And God himself dwells here in the Blessed Sacrament. And that's why we do not treat this space like normal secular space. We do not talk in church because we are in the presence of our Lord and Master. When we come in, we pay homage to our Lord by bending our knees, um, indicating our submission to our Lord. And so as not to disrespect our King, we seek to come to Mass in good time, not arriving late for a ceremony in which He is supremely honored. We want to be present at this ceremony, which is, we're, we're commanded to be at, at present only once a week, but we, we, we want to be present in due time for this ceremony in order to pay homage to our God. This brings to, to my mind the, the, the question of, of the importance, how important it is to have a chapel, to actually have a proper space for worshiping God. You know, sometimes in the society of St. Pius X, because of our limited resources, limited priests, limited faithful, and so on, we're not able to have chapels everywhere. And so we, we have these uh, mission chapels, quote-unquote, which are not really chapels. They're, they're hotel rooms, or they are houses, people's houses, or they're scout halls, or what have you. And these places, they're, they're, they're not sacred spaces. Um, they're secular spaces. These are not places that are, have been set apart exclusively for the worship of God. 
They've been set apart for some other purpose. Uh, perhaps housing people who are visiting the town or ha- uh, in- encouraging uh, young people to, to engage themselves in exploring nature, wh- wh- whatever it may be. And because um, these places are not secular spaces, we have a hard time to treat them like sacred spaces. Uh, when we arrive, you know, you know how it is, if you've ever been to the, one of these situations, we arrive, it's a normal space. People are walking around in the room, they're chatting, so on. Then it's okay, it's time to set up the altar. The altar is set up, and perhaps the chairs are arranged or what have you. Everyone becomes quiet, start uh, reciting the rosary. And, and, and then we try to, try to put ourselves in the environment of uh, a, a sacred space. We try to simulate a sacred space. Then Mass is celebrated. Then 10 minutes after the Mass, everything is torn down. It's, it's, the, the space returns to its secular purpose. And this is just not the sort of environment that fosters the right dispositions in souls for the worship of God. We do the best we can in, in these situations. Um, but it's not a long-term solution. Over time, this does wear away our faith. Even the priest, the faith of the priest, saying Mass at these places... He, he himself loses the sense of the sacredness of the, of the sacrifice of the Mass, which he is celebrating. So, ultimately, um, the most important thing about, about the church is not that the flowers and the candles be elevated to the worship of God, but that you be elevated to the worship of God. That there is created in you the dispositions to give your heart body, soul, everything that you are to God. To pay Him the very best homage that you can when you come to church. And because you're human, and you have a body and a soul, you're not some sort of disembodied intellect, your body and soul, it's important that you have a space, you have a a total environment, an all-encompassing environment that helps create in you this attitude of worship, the attitude of self-sacrifice, an attitude similar to the attitude of the religion of our Lord Jesus Christ himself when he was on this earth. The attitude of our Lord, the spirit of our Lord in his homage to the Father. That's what, what we want to create it. And it, it's very hard for, for a house or a hotel room to do this. Those places are so underwhelming. They do not speak to us of the glory and the magnificence of God. Consider on the other side of the spectrum the great medieval cathedrals of Europe. Those are truly houses fit for God and the worship of God. They tower above the landscape. They are filled with statues, with stained glass, with paintings that raise us above the secular world. They simply overwhelm us with their immense spaces, with their excessive grandeur, with their magnificence, which overshadows our insignificance. And when we are in such places, and when we have a a liturgy that's accompanied by Gregorian chant, that's performed with all the the discipline and the rigor of the the traditional rites, that's decorated with beautiful vestments and a well-ornamented altar, we may say it's very, very hard not to be taken completely out of ourselves 
It's, it's very hard to resist the pull upwards into the supernatural realm. It's very hard to resist the urge to praise and love God with the highest endowments of our souls. This is the sort of environment that the church is meant to uh, create for you so that you will um, be pulled instinctively almost towards the worship of God. So my dear faithful, let this feast of the dedication of the Cathedral of Canberra Goulburn remind you of what we are about when we come to church. God himself is present in this space. You are here in order to worship him. This is the very most important thing that you can do in your life, the worship of God. And to do it, you have to set aside everything that is of this world. You have to drive away the thoughts of the world. You have to lift yourself above your created condition in order to reach up to heaven. In just a few moments, in this church, in this sacred space, you will receive our Lord Jesus Christ, your God, in Holy Communion. Everything in this room, everything that takes place at Mass, is meant to help you prepare your own self to become a sacred space. Ultimately, it is you who is meant to be consecrated to God. It is you who are meant to become a temple, a church in which God dwells, in which he takes his rest, in which he finds the worship worthy of him. So allow this environment so carefully prepared, we may say primarily by Holy Mother Church, to work upon you, to work its effects upon you. Allow it to dispose you for the accomplishment of your purpose in this life, the intimate union between you and your God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.